Well, hello, and welcome back into yet another episode of Just Saying Sports with Jake and Sean. I am your host, Jake Adnip, and here with me is the great Sean Dwyer. How you doing? We are back with some NFL talk this week. There's been a long season. We actually haven't talked football a lot, Sean. I mean, isn't that kind of surprising to you? It, it is actually surprising to me that we've missed out on, on the NFL for a while. You know, with the World Series and everything, it's actually been a couple of weeks since we've done an episode. You know, basically took our little Thanksgiving hiatus a little early. So uh, we appreciate you guys sticking in here with us. But like I said, we're back with yet another NFL show. We're going to talk about how the season is shaken out so far, both with teams and players. We'll talk about division leaders and, um, you know, some of the teams who've been surprising us or who we think aren't going to be doing so hot the rest of the year. Uh, we're also going to dive into a little bit of fantasy football talk and even just delve into the play of some players across the league from the season so far. Uh, I know fantasy football is getting into the playoffs. Sean and I are hoping to square off in the finals of uh, one of the leagues that we're in together. So what's it been like for you um, this season? Has this been a big surprise with the Rams and the Chiefs? Being literally this much better than everybody expected them to be? Well, if we go back to our NFL preview, you know, by virtue of us having different opinions, I took Patrick Mahomes to have a better year than Deshaun Watson. And I'll be the first to admit I did not see this kind of year coming from Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs have surprised me. And I really did think the Chargers were going to take that division this year with a down Denver team. Oakland being John Gruden's first year, I didn't really expect much. I didn't expect the Chiefs to be um, plus 110 points in their point differential at 9-2. and two. And the two games they lose, they still score over 40 points in the game. Uh, the Chiefs have surprised me this year. I didn't expect them to have this good of a year. Yeah, I mean, the Rams, Chiefs, and the Saints. I mean, I, I expected nothing less out of the Saints with how explosive they were last year. I didn't think their defense was going to be able to get them all the way up to this point with only one loss. But that's the type of thing that happens when you have these three offenses scoring. I, average, I believe they all average around 35 points a game, if not higher at this point. Uh, yeah, I think they're all right around that 30-plus um, 30, 30 range. Which is incredible. So uh, definitely some very high-powered offensive that, is, that has happened throughout the first part of the season. But, I mean, what's been your biggest surprise team-wise so far? To me, it is the Atlanta Falcons sitting at 4-7 and seven in the same division as the Saints you just mentioned. Um, before the season, I, you know, you nobody knew that their top two defensive players are going to get pretty much year-long injuries in that first opening game against Philadelphia. No one could have predicted that. And that kind of set in motion for them. It's really been a down season. You know, Julio Jones went a full calendar year without a touchdown. Um, Calvin Ridley's been very good and very non-existent. It's kind of fallen off in the earth and then came back and rise up. Uh, Deontay Freeman has been out all year pretty, pretty much. So the Falcons have just been in and out of this groove where they win a couple games, they'll lose a couple games. And it's just not been a great year for Atlanta, in my opinion. Of course. Now, we are going to dive into a division-by-division division breakdown, just run through it pretty quick, and 
give you our reaction at this point in the season. We're entering week 13 of the NFL season. Um, Sean, just to start off with, we can start off with the AFC. Yeah, starting off in the AFC, we're going to go east to west, north to south. So in the AFC East, you have New England, Miami, Buffalo, New Jersey, or New York Jets. Is that pretty much how you expected this division to play out, Jake? Well, I mean, yeah, I think I think I thought the Jets might be better than the Bills with Sam Darnold, but we knew that he was going to go through the struggles. But, I mean, New England's going to win this division 10 out of 10 years. So definitely don't, you know, expect anything different out of here. Interesting stat from this division is the Buffalo Bills have a one-game better record than the Jets, but they have given up their plus-minus point differential is a minus 51 compared to the Jets. The Bills are a minus 111, and the Jets are minus 60. So That, Buffalo, that, has, that has everything to do with Buffalo's offense, by the yeah, way, because Buffalo's Buffalo defense is things good. Or, Buffalo either wins or they get blown out. Yeah. There's no in-between. Well, Buffalo only has 161 points on the entire season, and we're talking about through 11 games. That's no good. You're, t- you're talking about like 10 points a game. Anyways. Yeah. Going on to the AFC North, you have Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Cincinnati, Cleveland. Tell me if there's anything there that surprises you. Well, of course, Cleveland having four wins already has to surprise some people. They've already fired their head coach. It seems like there's turmoil, but – Baker Mayfield's done what he's had to do to bring Cleveland a little bit of spice and razzle-dazzle. I mean, Pittsburgh's still at the top of the division. It's hard for me to see Baltimore um, win anything without, you know, a little bit of Joe Flacco in the mix. So it doesn't surprise me that Baltimore's at the top. But with Andy Dalton going down, Cincinnati having to go to, you know, a different guy, I think, you know, you might see Cleveland actually not finish last in this division. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Cincinnati's going to be going with Jeff Driscoll for at least this week and possibly moving through the rest of the season. Um, The surprise for me in this division was that Cleveland is in the bottom this year. I was one of those people who thought they might be sitting around 500 this time of year. They're 4-6-1, that opening tie against Pittsburgh. I don't know. I think, like you said, it's going to happen. I think Cincinnati's going to go down – down the stretch, I don't think they're going to finish strong. I think Cleveland might finish is going to finish stronger, and I think those two are going to flip flop, and the division is going to probably end up Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Cleveland, Cincinnati instead. Um, we're going to move on to the AFC South, which goes Houston, Indianapolis, Tennessee, Jacksonville. Me and you, or you know, I was high on the Texans coming into the season, and I think the last time that we talked NFL football was right around week three, maybe week five, something like that. So it's been a little while. And, uh, you know, I was high on Deshaun Watson at the beginning of the season, like you mentioned with Patrick Mahomes earlier on. And they've busted off. They've tore off eight straight wins since the beginning of the year. We thought it was going to be, you know, a going down, 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 and, you know, seeing what was happening. But this has probably been the most surprising division to me with just the way in the last few weeks they've turned things around. You know, with Houston going eight, and then, I mean, Andy Luck and Eric Ebron are just tearing things apart in Indianapolis. Yeah, this division for me is almost completely backwards. You know, a lot of people were high on Jacksonville, Tennessee coming into the year, and people thought Houston, Indianapolis were going to be fighting for that 3-4 spot in the division. And it's completely flipped. I don't think anybody – if anybody told you that they saw Jacksonville going 3-8 and eight 
to open the season on a seven-game losing streak right now, I I would want to know what they think the lottery numbers are going to be because there's no way I don't think anybody saw that one coming. I agree. Yeah, and then the Colts having a winning record at this point of the season. I know they're getting Andy Luck back, Andrew Luck back for a full season um, is really what the Colts needed, but I didn't really, you know, living in Indianapolis, listening to all the preseason shows here now, people were not expecting this team to have a winning record at any point of this season. And it's just been – I think it's been, it's been a good year for the Colts. You know, they got that monster defensive rookie of the year candidate in Darius Leonard been leading the NFL in tackles, has a good handful of sacks. And Houston's kind of surprised. I think their offensive line has been playing outside of their their league right now. I think that might come back down to earth for Houston at some point. But I do think they're, they've got a three-game lead in the division right now, eight and three, six and five, about a two-game lead in the division right now. I think they might hold on for the rest of the year. Moving on to the AFC West, the last division in the AFC, we have Kansas City, Los Angeles, Denver, Oakland. Chargers from Los Angeles. I I mean, I don't think anybody expected Oakland to turn around to be this bad, but John Gruden kind of just sold the house and said, screw it. Um, yeah, Khalil Mack, he knew that the season was not going to be going any way that you expected it to. But I want to mention the Los Angeles Chargers. You know, they've been so quietly good, and they have been like this for years with Phillip Rivers always being a top five or six quarterback in terms of passing yards and passing touchdowns in the NFL. It, it just seems – it's crazy because they're eight and three and nobody said a word about them. They definitely are looking like uh, one of those wild card spots in the AFC. You know, with Kansas City, the way they're looking, it's going to be hard for them to catch up and win this division. But, They're a dangerous wild card team too. They're going to go. They travel too. I don't think a lot of people have realized that. Is the Chargers? They might. Philip Rivers hasn't been a great late game, game on the line quarterback. Uh, he's pretty been turnover prone in those situations. But if those Chargers get a lead in that game, I don't think they give it up. I think the Chargers are a very dangerous wild card team. Yeah, I agree. That's my point. Is they've they've you know kind of been ignored, and Melvin Gordon's hurt right now, but I'm sure he'll be back come playoff time. Uh, it's it's exciting for LA because I think that they definitely have a a shot to sneak out of that wild card and even make an upset, maybe even move into the AFC Championship game. Uh, which I know it sounds like a stretch, but it seems like it could happen. Yeah, same to me. I think this division is this division has played out pretty much how I thought. I thought Los Angeles Chargers and Kansas City would be would be swapped. I thought the Chargers would be on top of the division by this point in the season. But other than that, I really don't know what you – this division's kind of been pretty much exactly how I thought. I didn't think Oakland just hiring John Gruden was going to be that much better. Uh, I thought Denver was going to be pretty much 500, right where they are with Case Keenum coming in. It's been his career, really outside of that last year in Minnesota where I think he just caught that lightning in a bottle. So moving on to the NFC, we start in the NFC East where the top three teams are separated by a game, Uh, Dallas, Washington, Philadelphia, and then New York at the bottom. I didn't expect New York to be this bad. That's my biggest surprise from this or from this division with Saquon coming in. They had no Eli's getting old, but, 
man, that offensive line really is hard bad. to do. Yeah, like, oh, my gosh, it's so bad. But that's the funny part is that Saquon can still do his thing. So as soon as they turn it around, when they'll start to build that back up, I know they'll be fine. But this really isn't any surprises to me, except that Philadelphia, after coming off such a high year, is 5-6. and six. They picked up weapons. Now they got Golden Tate. Their backfield's a mess, though. And they just can't seem to put it together. Their defense hasn't, you know, stepped up like they did along the lines last year. And, I, I mean, I think I still see Philadelphia winning this division. But it's going to be tough because now Alex Smith is down and Dallas is starting to roll. But I just don't see Dallas keep putting it together. I don't know why. I could see Dallas winning the division but losing – um, being that one division, or I don't know, being that division team that's got to you know play the wild card team after the wild card game, and not really being winning anything. I think that any team in this division, I don't really buy them competing for a Super Bowl. Even Philadelphia, I don't think Philadelphia makes the playoffs. I don't really think it's going to get worse for the for the rest of this season. Um, offensive line has been kind of hit or miss for them. The defense has been, I mean, you got to at least acknowledge that they've gone through defensive backs like like candy on Halloween right now. They're, they're just rolling through them. Um, Dallas's defense has been something that surprised me. You know, they took a flyer on Jalen Smith in the draft a couple of years out of Notre Dame off that horrendous injury that he had at and they also took Leighton Vanderesh, who is my my new guy. Well, I'll throw that out there. He's my guy now. Luke Keekley and Leighton Vanderesh. They're my guys. They're my guys. They're my guys. Guys. Uh, those two linebackers, they've formed a very, very good linebacking, very good young linebacking core for Dallas that I could see being very good and actually winning them. I think their linebacking core will win them more games than Dak Prescott will the rest of the year. I'll say it. It's uh, a hot take. It's a hot take. It's not that. I'm not going. I'm, I feel like I'm not that far out on a limb, though. You know. No, it's not that big. But uh, we're going to see what happens with Washington now that they're going to start with uh, Colt McCoy going the rest of the year after that injury to Alex Smith. I think that the division's probably going to finish Dallas, Philadelphia at the top. Um, the Giants. I I didn't think they were going to be this bad. I don't think Eli Manning. Has, I think he's a shell of himself. I think the only reason that he's still starting is because. Last year, pretty much the whole propaganda machine got moving against the organization when they benched him for the one week. The coach got fired, and uh, Peyton – or not Peyton, Eli was back in there. So, until Eli is gone, I think this is the Giants that you're going to see. Um, NFC North, Chicago, Minnesota, Green Bay, and Detroit. I mean, the biggest surprise here is that Green Bay had, wasn't able to do anything with this season. Well, I guess this the NFC North has been a surprise in itself, except for the fact that the Lions is at the bottom. I mean, Minnesota has played a lot better than being six and four. They've just kind of tapered off in the last few weeks. Green Bay has been so up and down this season; it's incredible. And I mean, Chicago, without a doubt, has the best defense in the NFL. I, I think they they allow only. They've only allowed they have allowed the second most points behind the Baltimore Ravens, but other than that, they they have completely destroyed not only the teams in the division but all the way across the board. With Mitch Trubisky even out, they were able to beat the Lions. So I know you know they are for real. I I don't think it's that much of a stretch that they were going to win the division, 
once they added Khalil Mack. And I know it's you can't be like, oh, one person changes the game. But, you know, without Aaron Rodgers or without the Packers doing what they normally do, I don't think about it, you know, even though Minnesota obviously took it last year, I don't really think about it as the Bears division. But they did what they had to do, and I, I can see them finishing out this season holding that top spot easily. I agree with you. I don't think – this has been one of the divisions that surprised me the most. You know, I didn't think the Bears – I thought the Bears were going to be number three, Packers one, Minnesota two, Detroit four. So Minnesota being way down and Chicago being way up in the lead is kind of not what I expected at all. But like you said, Mr. Biskies, he's put it together um, so far this year. He's kind of, I think, played a little bit outside of himself. I think he's another thing that can come back down to earth and it's going to eventually hurt his team. But, I mean, he's injured right now. We don't know what's going to happen. So we'll find out what happens there when he comes back. Um, the Bears, I don't think they're going to beat Minnesota for the division. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Because with the injury to Trubisky, you know, Minnesota could put together a couple games while Chicago gets them back. But, you know, the Lions are the Lions. We're, I'm not even going <laughs> to waste time. We don't got to waste time. Just I'm not wasting time talking about them. Um, the NFC South, New Orleans Saints, Carolina Panthers, Atlanta Falcons, Tampa Bay. We're talking about rattling off 10 straight wins for the Saints, so obviously they're the hottest team in football. Oh, my God. Uh, I mean, this doesn't surprise me at all that the Saints are in the top. I mean, you said, you know, you thought the Atlanta Falcons were a big surprise, but I didn't think the regression was that much of a surprise to me. Their defense was never very good. And, I mean, mean, Matt Ryan is top of the league or close to top of the league in passing yards, and they still are incapable of scoring the football. It's just not working out uh, in Atlanta. So that doesn't really bother me. To, to be honest, there's nothing really about this division that surprises me other than New Orleans has won 10 straight, which is that, – that's extremely hard to do in the NFL. This was one of the hardest divisions for me to really call at the beginning of the year because I did think Atlanta was going to have a great year. You can't tell me that if they don't lose Deion Jones, Keanu Neal, and Deontay Freeman – I think like between weeks one and two, this isn't a completely different Atlanta Falcons team. I couldn't, no one, the Saints playing 10 in a row, you're not going to be able to compete with that. But for that second spot in the division and putting yourself in that wild card race, if Atlanta has those three guys, I think that they are right. I think they're above Carolina right now in terms of the wild card race. I mean, it's just the last few weeks that Atlanta's really buffed their stuff. They've lost three straight. So it's not like they didn't win games without the guys that you mentioned. Carolina's one lost three straight in a row too. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I just did not see the Atlanta Falcons going into this part of the season having the same record as the Tampa Bay Bucks. I, I, w- if you, I would not have told you that was going to happen. I agree. So moving on to the last division, we have the NFC West which is the Los Angeles Rams, Seattle Seahawks, Arizona Cardinals, and San Francisco 49ers. We got some of the worst records both in the same division in football here. Yeah, I I mean, it doesn't surprise me whatsoever. We we knew that Arizona was going to have a little bit of a rough time on a comeback year for DJ, not really having a quarterback. I mean, their defense just fell apart once they lost Tyron Matthew. And, I mean, I'm not saying that he was, like, the guy, but I'm just saying, like, it it has just fallen apart. Well, it's Um, kind of of thrown their whole team into whack. You know, when you start a 
Let's see. Uh, I think he's like 33, 34. 34-year-old Antoine Bethea is starting at safety where Tony Badger used to be. That's a bit of a drop-off. And that, that, guy, that guy had safety. You know, they don't really have that guy at middle linebacker calling the shots. So he was kind of the quarterback of that defense. You lose him. You just don't – you flat out don't re-sign him. It's a big hit for that defense. Yeah, I mean, for San Francisco – after losing Jimmy G, I definitely don't ex- didn't expect him yeah. to be any better than this. But oh, even yeah. with Jimmy G, I didn't expect him to be much better than this. You know, we I t- you know kind of talked a lot of crap about him because he had only had whatever seven or eight career starts yeah. uh, before he signed that contract to start this year. And obviously, you see what happens. But um, I mean, this doesn't surprise me very much. We knew how good the Rams' offense was last year, and there there's no discounting what they're able to do. So that, I think that's a pretty runaway uh, decision like it was at the beginning of the season, that L.A. is definitely uh, the best team in the West. Yeah, I agree. I think L.A. was going to run away with this division the whole time, Seattle at second. Um, I thought that if Jimmy Garoppolo was healthy all year, the 49ers would finish in third and the Cardinals would finish last. Um, right now, they're kind of fighting it out for that last couple spots. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. But there. but the the Arizona Cardinals, let me tell you this: uh, only only behind the Oakland Raiders, they are the negative one thirty eight in point differential. Yeah, not good at all. Yeah, like, so that, that tells you that their defense is bad and their offense is terrible. Correct. So we are going to transition right now into some. Fantasy studs, duds kind of thing, kind of a take like that. I'm going to throw you some names, and you tell me if you thought this was going to be the season they had. I've wrote down some names that I thought, you know, I thought they were going to have a better year or a worse year, and we'll see what kind of flows with that. Um, We're going to start with running backs. I'm going to give you a little list of running backs, a little list of wide receivers, and we'll go from there. Um, To start with, I'm going to throw at you Derrick Henry. Did you think he was going to have this – terrible of a start to his season that's continued on. I do. I don't think Derrick Henry was ever going to take a big step forward after the season we saw last year. He was only a third down. He wasn't even a goal line back for Tennessee last year. He, I believe it was at the beginning of the season he had in his career with a minimum of 200 carries or whatever it was, the worst yards per carry out of any running back would under like two and I mean, you watched this guy in college, and he was such a monster. And, I mean, just his size, you assumed he'd be able to run people over. But we got to see just, that great train in person. Exactly. It just did not work out. And I, I, I'm not surprised by it at all, especially with the beginning of the season with the ineptitude of the Tennessee offense. And then, of course, with Deion Lewis stepping in there, and he's obviously a lot more talented than Derrick Henry. All right, I'm going to throw you a name of a rookie running back right now, and that's Ronald Jones from USC, drafted by Tampa Bay, did you think Peyton Barber was going to be the starter over him? I I knew that there wasn't going to be much going on in Tampa Bay's backfield. And with the beginning of the season, I probably would have said that he would have had much more opportunities and much more looks than he has, which kind of sucks because uh, I think he's better than Peyton Barber. Uh, so he, def- he definitely hasn't had the season I wish he would have had, but 
with Tampa Bay's ineptitude running the football, I would not have expected him to have a great season. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna get your. I want to get your take real quick on Carlos Hyde. He had a great start to the year with Cleveland, and then they traded him to Jacksonville. And I think his face is on milk cartons right now because I don't know where he went. Well, that's the problem is he just got traded to a team that didn't really need him in really any facet. You know, they had they were out with Leonard Fournette for a minute, but he's back. I know he's suspended for the week that we're recording this podcast, but TJ Yeldon did fantastic for Jacksonville while Leonard Fournette was out. They just wanted to give him more of a one-two punch, but now now there's three backs in Jacksonville on a team that's normally playing from behind. I just don't know what Cleveland was thinking. I know Nick Chubb has done a quite a fantastic job over the last few weeks, but Amazing. I would have rather had a Carlos Hyde-Nick Chubb tandem than a Nick Chubb-Duke Johnson Jr. tandem. I agree. I think that Cleveland really, I don't know, Jacksonville messed up trading for him, in my opinion, because if you were just going to keep TJ Yeldon as a starter until Leonard Fournette came back, why trade for Carlos Hyde to be a backup? And if I'm Cleveland, Carlos Hyde has been pretty consistent in his NFL career up until this point on being a guy who gets carries and yards and all of that. Why not have Nick Chubb learn from him instead of learning from Duke Johnson Jr.? I think this was a bad trade overall, and it really <clears throat> ruined the fantasy season for Carlos Hyde. Um, next guy on the list. Kenyon Drake, did you really think he was going to be splitting carries with Frank Gore the whole season? I mean, down to this point, not as many carries as Frank Gore is getting. Of course, I knew they weren't just going to – you're not just going to have Frank Gore on a team and not give him the ball. He's a workhorse, always has been. What is it, 17 straight – or 14 straight seasons with 500-plus rushing yards, I think it is. Yeah, it's um, a crazy, crazy number like that. Yeah, but you know – but you know you're going to use Frank Gore. So I'm not surprised that Kenyon Drake is splitting carries. And I'm also not surprised because Kenyon Drake has made a lot of mistakes this year. And, I mean, think about the way that he started the season. He – let me look. He had a combined 150 yards in his first five games, basically. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to not give somebody else a chance on that, you know. He has bounced back as of late, but – Still, the highest he's most he's rushed for this season, 72 yards in a game. I am, and that was on six attempts. And that, you know, that was when he played Detroit. He had one huge, what was 60 yard rush? Mm-hmm. I think it was. Um, yeah, that doesn't do anything for me. I'm giving another guy a chance to get me some yards if, you know, that's happening. So it doesn't surprise me. If I, you would have asked me at the beginning of the season, I probably would have said the same thing. Now, I have to throw this guy's name in here just because of where his season projection started compared to where it's at right now, but James Conner. Obviously, nobody saw this kind of season coming from him because nobody – I don't think anybody really believed Le'Veon Bell was just going to deuce out on the whole season. I I mean, of course. I didn't. I drafted Le'Veon. He's still sitting in my injured reserve spot in fantasy. So – I'm 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 sitting here wondering if I'm going to let him screw me for next year too by keeping him. But anyways, once uh, once the rumors come true and he gets down here to Indianapolis, we'll uh, we'll catch a game together. That's uh, that's my thing right now. I want Lev Bell here in uh, Indy. That doesn't sound like the worst idea. But anyways, James Conner, big surprise. Yes, yes, and yes. I don't know. 
if it's because James Conner is really that good or if it really is just because of Pittsburgh's offense or their offensive line. But I don't see another backup in the NFL who could have stepped into a starting role and then straight up owned it and said, "This, look at this, look at me. So I'm saying he has five games over 100 yards this season and four of them with two or more touchdowns. Last name I'm going to throw out at you for running backs, and then I'll throw you a couple wide receivers. Did you – this kind of resurgent year that Adrian Peterson has had, what, I mean, have we ever seen anything like this? You know, I didn't know you were going to ask me this, but I had a feeling you were going to because <laughs> Adrian Peterson, he has – I've loved him for years. He's always been a dog. He might be one of the best running backs to ever go through the NFL, especially seeing the stuff that he's done back and forth like this over his career. And now he's moving all across the NFL. I mean, all you got to do is put the ball in the man's hand. He's going to do something with it. He still looks like a 26-year-old. Like, he looks sprightly and ready to go. I I don't think you can see the age on Adrian Peterson, really, uh, from his play. I definitely didn't expect it, but I do recall – saying that Adrian Peterson could be a good sleeper pick at the beginning of the year because it's Adrian Peterson in an offense that needs a running back. We'll, uh, we'll have to go check the tape on that one there, bud, but it does sound pretty familiar. Now getting into wide receivers, um, a guy that's really surprised me, I'm going to take one for a second here, is Adam Thielen being the number two ranked wide receiver on ESPN. Um, I knew Adam Thielen was going to have a good year. I did not think he was going to end up as the number two wide receiver this far into the season. Did you? No, don't get me started, okay? This is the, the whole debacle. I dropped Adam Thielen to draft. <laughs> I, I could have kept Adam Thielen as my keeper, and I drafted Le'Veon Bell in his place. I so, did not. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, no, I did not expect Adam Thielen to have this good of a year. I did, however, once again, I know I said it in the in – the, pre-fantasy show, I was really excited to see what Kirk Cousins could do with that wide receiver core because I knew they were good. But I also they, think I also think that we thought Stefan Diggs was going to be the guy. I thought Diggs was going to be over Thielen too. I will exactly. say that. Exactly. But what he's done is nothing short of incredible. And, you know, Kirk Cousins going to Minnesota, I think they found out that they really, really struck gold uh, with this offense that they have there. The next thing I'm going to ask you is more of a two-guy question. Um, Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster have somehow figured out how to be a wide receiver tandem on the same team, both top 10 ranked wide receivers. Can you really – the same thing kind of goes for Thielen and Diggs. But how many – I don't remember seeing this happen often. We've got two guys ranked in the top 10. Do you? I mean, I've, I've seen it before. I can't say I haven't. Uh, this deep into the season is when it's crazy. But with the way that Ben was slaying the ball over the years, you know, I've seen multiple four or five hundred game, you know, four fifty five hundred yard games from him, five six touchdowns. We know he's good for that every once in a while. And Antonio Brown can't do it all on his own. You know, they've been looking for somebody. They they even had they used to have Martavius Bryant and other guys, but nobody's as good as Juju. And that's the point is. I mean, Juju, I, I wish I had a number on it. I'm not going to be able to find it right now. But he doesn't have a lot of drops this season. Him and Antonio Brown, it's, if, he put the, if he puts the ball on their hands, it's, it's set. It's, they're catching the ball, which is awesome. Yeah. But I guess 
man, wouldn't it have been nice to draft both of them at the beginning of the year and just be like, oh, I like Pittsburgh's offense. You should have taken James Conner, Antonio Brown, and Juju Smith-Schuster. My lineup from my one league at work, where in the same week I had Connor, Juju, and Antonio Brown with Ben Roethlisberger starting. I was Pittsburgh heavy at one point in that league this year. Um, the next guy I'm going to throw at you was a guy who I thought was going to have a much better year coming into a rookie quarterback situation, and that was Calvin Benjamin's um, full off season with Buffalo. He's right now the 88th ranked receiver on ESPN. Um, he's got 50 points on the year. This guy was catching passes for Cam Newton all over the place, and so now he's in Buffalo. Um, what the heck is that? You'd think that big body wide receiver like that would kind of be a crutch for a young quarterback, and it just hasn't worked out that way. Well, I mean, I don't think that Buffalo offense has been good enough for anybody to produce. I mean, if you talk about you know somebody we didn't mention, LaShawn McCoy, I mean, he's had one serviceable week this entire season. Which is completely – that's why I thought LaShawn McCoy would be good is because the rookie quarterback wouldn't be able to get with Kevin Benjamin. So, I mean, it doesn't surprise me that he's all the way down in the depths. I, I mean, it's Buffalo's offense, man. I, I didn't expect anything out of it. Yeah, no. Um, one other name I'm going to throw at you real quick here in terms of a guy that's kind of had a great year in terms of being a wide receiver is Tyler Lockett. Um, for Seattle. He's top 20 ranked wide receiver right now in fantasy on ESPN. He's been a good receiver before, but he's never been top 20 good. Um, do you buy this as a long-term thing with Tyler Lockett? Well, I think it's not quite. I think I, I was really happy. I actually picked him up in a trade in the league, and he's had a pretty solid touchdown production since I think I got him in week six or seven or whatever it was. Uh, but what does he got? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight touchdowns on the year. I think a lot of that is a product of how long Doug Baldwin has been out. Uh, you know, him and Doug Baldwin kind of did this flip-flop this year where Doug Baldwin is right now ranked in the 90s for wide receivers, but he missed six or seven games. With Tyler Lockett stepping into that role and being the scoring threat for the Seattle Seahawks through the air, you know, it doesn't surprise me that you got this type of production. Russell Wilson is going to produce He's going to score you points, whether it be to somebody or on the ground. Um, so I definitely think that he's more of a product of the system, but I don't think anybody's complaining when he's putting up basically a touchdown a week. Yeah. Um, the last thing I'm going to throw at you was we're going to unfortunately talk about the Lions here. Is if at the beginning of the season, I think both you and me agreed on the wide receiver pecking order was probably going to be Golden Tate, Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay. Am I correct? Yes. You thought that? Um, as the season started, that, that kind of completely flipped on its head and ended up with Detroit trading Golden Tate. And Kenny Galladay is the number one, and it looks like he's been the whole season. Um, does Kenny Galladay kind of feel – now, I know what I'm going to say is going to sound crazy, and I'm, I don't mean it this way. But does he kind of fill that Calvin Johnson role of Matthew Stafford's just throw it up and see what happens guy? I think he has potential to, you know, be that big body deep threat who is hard for people to guard. But, you know, I, I could never see it, the stretch to that, especially because I, mean, I don't think he's well, no, but you have to think about this. No, but Detroit's offense at this point is not ran like that any longer. No, it's not. 
And that's why is, you know, he's still going to be those short eight, 10 yard route guy, uh, take him to the sideline. You know, that's the type of Kelvin Johnson esque moves you'll see is his toe taps on the sidelines or him jumping as high as he can in the air um, on a, you know, a crossing route or a, a post route that, you know, gets overthrown by Matthew Stafford. And we're lucky enough that Galladay's got a big enough body and got ups to catch it. Um, but I definitely have liked the, you know, the resurgence, but the, I don't know, the, the coming out party for Kenny Galladay. I think we saw it in four or five games last year, flashes of what he was able to do. And now that he has all the time in the world and is running, what, 86 or 87% of the offensive staffs, probably all of them now, that Marvin Jones is out for the season. Uh, it's just it's, – it's been good to see him actually progress from a young talent into somebody who can be relied upon. Lions don't do that often. No. Um, real quick, I got one quarterback question for you, and we're going to skip tight ends because tight ends are crazy all over the place this season. Defenses, you can't really predict. It's more of a week-to-week matchup thing. And I don't want to bore you all to death with my takes on individual defensive players. Um, last quarterback question. We'll finish it up with this. If you're in a dynasty league and you get to keep your guys, are you picking up Lamar Jackson at the end of the year if he's available to stash for next year? No. I don't. I, I don't see Lamar Jackson being any type of Michael Vick it can be close, but the the that type of play has only been long, like played for a long time, uh, with Cam Newton, Mike Vick. There's only been a few guys, Don McNabb. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to do that, especially with Baltimore. I don't know, and that's the other part is it's Baltimore's offense. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that much stock in Lamar Jackson. I would think that you could you could pick up somebody else. I'm a draft board fairly late that would equate to him next season. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. If I'm picking up one of these rookie guys that's kind of been trying to figure it out this year and stashing them for the future, I'm putting Josh Rosen on that list. Um, And while I'm at it, I'm trying to see if anyone's messed up enough to drop Christian Kirk because I think those guys too are going to be outstanding together in Arizona within the next couple of years. So, I just don't <clears> – <throat> I don't know Lamar Jackson. The running style, you know, we've seen it. It's not worked recently with guys of like that. Um, Cam Newton, big-bodied guy. Donovan McNabb, big-bodied guy. Um, Michael Vick was just a unicorn in terms of talent and everything. I just – Lamar Jackson, to me, I think – I don't know. I think Baltimore's got a really tough decision coming up with – Lamar Jackson and Joe Flacco's contract running out. We're going to be – I'm going to be glued to that situation because I don't know what's going to happen there. All righty. Well, that is going to do it for our NFL update, recap, whatever you want to call it, a bunch of trash talk. Um, <laughs> we are happy to have you guys, as always. We want to say thank you for listening. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Just Saying Sport, at Jake Anif, at Dwyer S-E-3. That's D-W-E-R. D-W-Y-E. Good D-W-Y-E-R S-E and the number three. Anyways, make sure you subscribe, listen, like, share, do whatever you got to do. 
to help us out with our podcast. But without any further ado, my name's Jake Atnip. I'm Sean Dwyer saying thank you to the Ohio State Buckeyes for ruining Michigan's season. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Anyways, uh, we are going to be back sooner rather than later this time with another episode. So we will see you then.